Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with Patrick Franklin. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Patrick Franklin is the president and CEO of the West Palm Beach Urban League, a national civil rights and urban advocacy organization that helps citizens with employment, housing, health, justice, and much more. Today, he'll discuss the vision of the organization and his involvement with it. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker. Welcome to the Waymaker podcast, Fireside Chat. And today we have as our special guest, Patrick Franklin, director of the West Palm Beach Urban League. Welcome, Patrick. Lewis, thanks for having me this morning. Thank you. How's it been going? Oh, it's wonderful. We, we are just getting um, back to work with our new school um, session and we're dealing with COVID left and right here in Florida, and it's not getting any better. And hopefully we can turn the corner, but we have a lot of people in our way right now. Well, we're going to talk about some of that today. Uh, well, Patrick, I want to start with the basics. We have a lot of young people who listen to our podcast, and a lot of them don't know what the Urban League is, why it was started, uh, when it was founded, and what your current mission is. So can you just take us through some of the basics of what is the Urban League? The Urban League is um, a national organization based in New York City. It was started in, in 1910 by a white philanthropist woman who decided that she needed to help black folks who are migrating from the South, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, to Chicago, Detroit, and Ohio. And when she saw the conditions that they were living in, and remember at 1910, these were people that were coming off plantations and they were going to these large cities and trying to find work. They were uneducated, no skills as far as the industrial manufacturing era, uh, era would go. They only worked agriculture. Uh, they had no formal education whatsoever. They were living in slums and high rises and slums in these major cities and they had poor health, poor diets. And she said she had to do something about it. So she started the National Urban League and it migrated across um, to many different areas across the country, up to about 115 affiliates that, that we call our chapters of affiliates. Um, right now we have about 91 across, the, across 35 states right now. We have eight in the state of Florida and we work on the basics, housing, jobs, education, health, community development, and advocacy for those who don't have a voice for civil rights. That's who the National Urban League is. That's who we are as Urban League affiliates across the country. Now, not all of us are the exact same. Um, we are dedicated and predicated to what we are local because for some of us, we, are, we, we run and own charter schools. Some of us run daycares. Some of us run um, community centers. It all depends what, what advocates best in your location, but the core business of housing, jobs, education, we all do that. And we do that in, in our own way, uh, but work with our local governments, work with our local community leaders to 
make sure that our families, our black families, those families underserved in inner city uh, locations are being served properly. So that's the core of, of who we are as, as far as the National Herb League and the Herb League affiliates across the country. So as a, as a millennial, how should a millennial look at the Urban League? Uh, should they look at the Urban League as something that can serve them? Or should they look at the Urban League as something that could serve their parents or whatever? How I look would at you it address both ways. I look at it both ways because um, the, the millennials got here because their parents were served by the Urban League back in the day. And I can't tell you over my 20 years at the Urban League that so many people have come to me, my parents got their first job through the Urban League. Uh, no matter if you were in Atlanta or New York or Chicago, they got their first job because we were really focused on job training back in when their parents were, were coming up. But the millennials today are there to support us in a way of volunteerism, in a way of philanthropy, in the way of giving back and helping those that, that need help. Because so many of our, our people are, are hurting out there right now. And so many don't know because we're being isolated. We, we are, we are isolated from what the hardcore facts are right now. Many people don't understand that poverty exists, that um, the majority of our public school uh, students here in Palm Beach County are on free and reduced lunch in public schools. We're the 10th largest school district in the country and 85% of our kids are on free and reduced lunch here in Palm Beach County. So when we put the facts out there, people um, have a different understanding of, of what's going on but I look to my millennials as how can you help me help these kids get through middle school and high school? Now, how can you be a good mentor? Because you may have the basis and you, you've come through the pipeline so far. And I, I need your help back, back to um, speak truth to power to our young people, to those much younger than you that are, that are facing so many obstacles right now. Do I get involved with gangs? Do I get involved with drugs? Do I get involved and drop out of school. Um, so I look to, to millennials to, to not only look to, to work with us, but I look to them to, to see if, if you're ready to step up to be the next Urban League leader, to be the next uh, uh, manager or vice president within our organization. We have a big robust organization and um, we provide jobs, we are a job provider. And we also, um, a lot of the millennials that, that, that come to me I help them make their way to their next job. I make that link between, well, if you're in finance, I know the bank president, okay? Let's, let's talk about maybe your, your next step maybe uh, that I can maybe help you migrate on, onto your next career path. So uh, there are many ways for us to, to touch base and to connect with our millennials. And I, I think it's a golden opportunity right now. And I have so many that come back and give back to us. So Patrick, uh, Palm Beach County. When people hear the word Palm Beach, they don't think that there's really any needs or people there that need service. Talk to about how did the affiliate get in Palm Beach and yes. what sort of demographics are Palm Beach? Because I'll be honest, Patrick, when I heard that you mm -hmm. serviced Palm Beach County, I was like, Palm mm -hmm. Beach? Absolutely. Tell us about that. All right. So we were started back in 1973. 1973 here in Palm Beach County, our affiliate was born. And it, was, it came from a group of uh, concerned citizens that, that knew that we needed help. We needed help with housing, with fair housing. We needed help with um, 
uh, F-rated schools in, in our neighborhoods. We needed help with um, poor health conditions and um, no access to, to health care. We were uh, segregated hospitals here in, in Palm Beach County and on and on and on. So we came to a point where we came in to help those in need right in our own community. We had a small uh, black community called Riviera Beach. We had a small uh, black community in the city of West Palm Beach. But when you, when you put all these small black communities together in the Glades area, in Riviera Beach, in Boynton Beach, in Delray Beach, and in city of West Palm Beach, we had a lot of black folks. Right now we, we, have, we have close to, um, out of 1.5 million people here in Palm Beach County, we have, we have um, almost 18% of black. 18% of that population is, 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 is black people. Now, I'm not including our Caribbean brothers and sisters because sometimes they don't wanna be, be included in, 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 in the African-American category, but when I add them, it's a little higher than that because we have a large Caribbean um, population here. But the need is great. When I talk about free and reduced lunch, when I talk about uh, public schools and our kids, we have, uh, we have F-rated schools in our black community that are struggling to survive. Um, they're not funded properly. They don't have the right uh, mode of teachers there that, that are wrapping their arms around these kids and saying, yes, you can. Uh, you can be successful. Um, Palm Beach County is, has a very, very structured mode of, of economics. We're based on tourism. We're based on um, tourism. Now we've got financial banking coming in, but we're based on tourism. Who serves those, those resorts? The breakers and the Four Seasons and the, the Boca Raton resorts. Who are, who's, who's um, doing the grounds work at all these 185 golf courses we have here in Palm Beach County? They're mostly black and people of color that are working at all these establishments that, that, that are working in the hotels and the restaurants and you're talking thousands of people, but they're working at minimum wage jobs. They're not, most of them don't even have living wage jobs. It is expensive to live here in Palm Beach County. If you don't have a car, you're, you're, you're at wit's end. And transportation is not as, um, uh, I would say as robust as New York or Chicago at, or Atlanta. And we don't have a bus system that you can, you know, snap your fingers and, and you know the bus would be here in five minutes. So. Um, when you put all that together, you look at unaffordable housing. Palm Beach County, the average house, the cost of a house in Palm Beach County is $375,000. Where can a person that's making $10, $12 an hour, a one income family or a two income family making less than $30,000, what housing can they afford here in Palm Beach County? Very few. Our um, inventory is very low. Low-end housing is, is, is not um, plentiful. So we have people that are living in the county north of us, north, north, north of us in, in Port St. Lucie, in Martin County. They're having to drive an hour into town to work because they can only afford a home or rent an hour away. So again, transportation is an issue. So when you put all these things together, housing, unaffordable housing, you have poor, um, poor rated schools in the low income areas in our Title I schools. You have um, food deserts throughout Palm Beach County in the low income areas. You have um, high unemployment in those areas. 
When you put all that together, that's why we have an urban league in Palm Beach County. That's why we're here to support all those individuals who are working at these resorts and tourism um, that need our, our help to fight for affordable housing, to, to create affordable housing. We create affordable housing um, to help those who want to become homeowners, get them ready through our home, um, home buyer counseling um, classes that, that we offer every week. So that's why the Urban League is so important here in Palm Beach County. I wish one day that we can put ourselves out of business, but I don't see that in my lifetime. So 2020, with the death of George Floyd, mm -hmm. it changed our country. It basically changed the world. How has the Urban League changed since that moment of time? We, we went deep into the aspects of racial justice, criminal justice reform, all those areas. I, I have been for the past um, almost one year now, I'm the co-chair of the mayor, the city of West Palm Beach, the mayor's task force on racial equity and, and, and justice reform. We meet twice a month with a, with a whole um, cadre of um, residents from the city of West Palm Beach. We held um, two summits over the past year where we, we've attracted almost a thousand people at, at each summit to get their input on criminal justice reform, to get their input on blight and how we can do better in the city of West Palm Beach, which is our biggest city here in Palm Beach County. Um, the one thing that we haven't done, Lewis, is follow the, the, the model that, that we have done in the past. Because of COVID, I have not called town hall meetings in person. We've held a couple of virtually, but we, we, are, we were a group known to call, call us all together, bring us in the room, uh, bring the noise up uh, as, as loud as we can, listen to everybody, and then bring the facts forward to, to help us understand it and educate our people on the facts. Um, COVID has changed that for us. So we've been in, in the virtual mode for a year and a half now, and, and we will continue in that aspect. But we understand the need for change. We understand that the, the need to hear residents and it's been, it's been a difficult time, but uh, we're about to deliver with the mayor's task force, we're about to deliver our recommendations. In fact, we went over them last night and I'm very, very pleased with the recommendation that, we, we got, that we're gonna bring forth in criminal justice reform and education and health and uh, finance banking and business and also in real estate. Uh, because we, we really tried to turn over all the rocks that presented itself with injustice as far as racial injustice and inequities. And, um, you know, I, I, I think the work that, that we've done in this task force has been, has been very well put together and uh, time well spent. So uh, one of my friends, uh, when I told him I was interviewing you, said, ask him, what is the primary difference between the Urban League and the NAACP. Mm -hmm. I've always, I've always used this motto, um, this um, explanation. The NAACP, to me, is the is is our flagship organization that leads the legal aspects and will help with the um, policy and legal aspects of issues that that affect our people. If you have a discrimination case, if you have uh, issues dealing with racial in, 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 inequities, the, NL, the NL, uh, NAACP is where the avenue that I send clients to. I don't have a legal arm within the Urban League. 
we are programs and services. We are program services and community driven change and empowerment. NAACP is the legal arm to take those legal uh, issues to and try to get resolution through that aspect. The one thing that, that I, I'm, I'm very afraid of, um, Lewis, is that I had, when I started at the Urban League back in 2002, there were three NAACPs in Palm Beach County, three. One in, one in South County in Delray Beach, one in, the, in uh, Central Palm Beach in the city of West Palm Beach base. In fact, they, they met at my office and one in the Bell Glade area. Right now we have zero. We have zero active NAACP chapters within Palm Beach County. Uh, they're active in, in Broward and Miami-Dade and we send cases down in that area to be um, resolved. Got it. Thank you so much for that. Now here's one of the tough questions of the day. COVID-19, mm -hmm. state of Florida. Mm. How is the Urban League helping to address uh, African-Americans and their view of the vaccine mm -hmm. during this particular time when cases are just raging in that state? Lewis, I'm going to go back to the beginning and I'm going to work my way back to the vax. Um, early on when, when we shut down our office and went remote, I was very concerned because our governor did not see the need. Uh, he followed the lead of the president at, at, at the time to engage with a full-throated effort towards testing. And I noticed point blank that we weren't testing a lot of African-Americans as I looked at the pictures of the mass testing at the, central, at the centralized testing locations where cars were lined up for hours. And I kept seeing just people who didn't look like us over and over and over again. I contacted my county ad, administrator and I said, what are we doing to, to test black folks in the, in the, in the communities? Because we have to get there. And I made phone calls and, and got around to different organizations that had a healthcare perspective as their main objective. And I said, okay, look, if you can get the test, I will make the, I will make the logistics happen and the places happen. So the Urban League, we set up pop-up testing, we called it throughout Palm Beach County. And we went into the neighborhoods. We went into the neighborhoods where it was so inviting to people that they walked up. They didn't have to have a car. They could walk up and get tested. They could ride their bike. I had, I had people on walkers. I had people in wheelchairs that were coming up in the neighborhoods when we were there asking for a test. We did that for several months and it worked very well. Fast forward to the vaccine. When that came out, everyone that wanted the vaccine, we did everything we could to get the vaccine. We made every phone call we could. Where can I get it? How can I get it? So we had the governor gave us 5,000 shots, 5,000 shots in the first week of February, because we begged for him to give us uh, shots in the, black, in, in the black community. The first attempt that, that was made was the weekend, I, I'll never forget this, the weekend of MLK weekend, on that Saturday of the MLK weekend. The governor came out and said he was gonna work with black churches across the state to administer vaccine to black people. That Saturday, they went to one of our oldest black churches here in Palm Beach County. And 
a news crew from uh, CBS came in on uh, for the for, for the weekend just to capture the, the activities from from, from this uh, first vaccines in, in the black community. And when I got there, Lewis, it was about 85% white folks who did not have an idea of where they were in the in the neighborhood. They came from all over because what happened, instead of us having control of the shots, it was opened up to anyone on the, on, the, on the internet. Our people want that savvy to get on the internet and sign up. They came forward and I said, what a travesty. What a joke this is that we targeted a black community, a black church, and 85% of the people there getting shots were white that had never been in this community. So we came back and said, let's do it right this time. We came back the first week in February and we were given 5,000 shots. I was responsible for 1,200 shots at a location right across the street from, from my affiliate. And we gave out 1,200 shots in eight hours. And I wanted more at the time, but that's all I was able to put my hands on that, that, that we can uh, push out. So we did that. We gave out the second shot the first week in March. And I was so grateful, Lewis, because so many, I would say it was just the flip side, 85% of the people in line were from our community. They were our senior citizens because you had to be 65 and over to do that. And I was just so grateful because people were so thankful just to get the shot back then. So fast forward now to where we are today. I am frustrated, absolutely frustrated with the outcome that we're seeing right now from um, my black community, especially my young, young people, 30, 30, 32 years and under, who are refusing to get the vaccination, who are refusing for whatever reason. And I've heard everything from under the sun. Um, they made it too fast. Why haven't they solved AIDS? Why haven't, uh, you know, I don't trust the government. I don't trust Trump. Um, I'm gonna wait to see the, the, the effects after two years. FDA didn't approve it. And, the, and the, the one that just knocks me off my feet, God hasn't talked to me. God hasn't talked to me. And we're at a point in time where black folks are dying at a rate three to four times higher than any other population or race around. We're getting infected at an alarming rate. Just yesterday, Florida hit the highest rate of infections, the highest rate of death that we've ever hit in the whole pandemic period. And our governor saying, quote, we're in the COVID season. I expect that to happen. So when, when we get to this point right now, and I'm trying my best, Lewis, and, and I'm, I'm going to use my own Urban League affiliate as an example. I have done everything that I can to encourage the handful of my staff that are still unvaccinated to get vaccinated. I've given PTO time off. I've given gift cards. I've given a salary bonus. I've talked about it for months. Every two weeks at our staff meeting, COVID is the first and the last thing on my list of, I, of, 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 um, of issues to talk about. Um, the one thing I don't want to hear again, I don't want to get a phone call and I've been getting them for one every week now from a young staffer that says, Mr. Franklin, I'm in the hospital. I have COVID. I've gotten that call three times in the last two months. I don't want to hear that call any, 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 anymore because I tell people, 
yes, you can get COVID if you have the vaccination. Yes, you can. It's not 100%, but I'm not going to die. There's no statistics that are that showing me right now that there's any valid point that I'm going to die because I got the vaccine from COVID. And I just, I, I just uh, really just frustrated with our young people who, who are standing back waiting. And it's not a matter of when you're going to get the, the, the virus. It's um, not if you're going to get it, it's when you're going to get it, especially here down in Florida. And one of the things that, that, that I'm, I'm really um, scared of right now is that it's being my, uh, mutated and passed on around, the, around everywhere. And you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't smell it. And, you know, we don't know who's vaccinated or not, but I think personally, it's the best, it's the best um, thing that we can do to protect ourselves right now in this day and time. Wow, uh, it, it is a challenging, challenging time. So Patrick, clearly what you do says that you are a waymaker. There, there's no doubt your, your, your everyday job says you are a waymaker. We believe that every successful person has had a waymaker. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about some of the people who have been waymakers for you. Lewis, I, I, I look back, I start with my parents. Um, my parents laid the groundwork. I'm the oldest of, of, of four boys. And my father tells me all the time um, now he's uh, 80, 86 years old. And he tells me all the time, he said, thank you for basically being a father back when I was working all the time and, you know, keeping your brothers in line and things like that. But uh, I learned from him the, the, the true value of work, the work ethic and, and get it right. He, he always told me, get it right the first time. And um, because if you do it right the first time they, they, and do your best, you, you, you can't, I can't get nothing else from you. And I, I truly believe that. I look back, Lewis, at, at, at the teachers that I had all through middle school and high school, uh, elementary that believed in me and, and, and told me I was, I'm gonna be somebody one day and never let me, never let that go past me. Um, work hard and something good will come from, from working hard in school. And I, I always did that. Um, I look back at, at, at the coaches that, that I played sports. I, I played every sport I could all, all, all through, uh, all through high school. And those, those were gentlemen that, that inspired me to be my best all, all the time. Um, work hard, don't, don't give up. Um, and as I, as I go through my, my last adult years, basically my, my recently adult years, I look back at um, a mentor that was very, very strong in, in, my, in my background uh, a gentleman who passed away about five years ago, our first black judge here in Palm Beach County, Judge Edward Rogers, who took time to spend time with me to help me understand Palm Beach County and help me understand the people who he had, who he grew up with um, there in the county and to um, give me that call every now and then and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Did you think about this? Did you think about that? And um, the, the, those are people that that have have really given me the inspiration and have been that way maker for me and um and in my life and um the other the other the other person basically who has given me the opportunity to do what I do basically right now is my wife Rochelle um, without her 
and her ability to let me do what I do. Um, I don't have a I don't have a normal job. I, I have a, if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't be at home working right now. Um, I didn't know what it what it what it meant to be home during the day. Okay, uh, I, I had no idea what it meant to be home during the day. Uh, I saw this. Leave it that. Leave it that, Patrick. Oh my God! I, 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 I can give you a whole lot of color around that. All right. Look, look. I, 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 I you know, we, we would meet up when I'm here now. We would have lunch about two o'clock in the afternoon. I would come out my office. She'd come out her office, and we have lunch. We go like, wow, we, we really never did this before. Uh, so it gave us an opportunity to re-engage with each other just a little bit more than than what we've had. So. Um, you know, it's, it's been a series of people. Uh, I, I can't put my finger on, on just one, but um, it was the start, it was the middle. And as, as we come towards, the, you know, rounding out this so-called career, um, who knows who's, who's gonna be the next. Hopefully, hopefully I, I can show some leadership to somebody else who, who's, who's behind me and, 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 and really help those. And, and that, that's what frustrates me, Louis, because I feel like I haven't, I keep reaching to see how can I reach our young people? How can I reach them at their level, at their place to make them understand that uh, I've seen a few things. That sometimes you got to trust people and you may not trust the government for now, but now's a good time to start, you know, with this vaccine. Well, Patrick, uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us today. Thank you for being a Waymaker personally. We thank the Urban League for all the work that they have done over many, 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 many decades. And we ask you to continue to do that. And uh, we hope that things turn around in the state of Florida in regards to COVID-19. Uh, don't give up on them, you can't. No. Uh, I don't think your job will let you give up on them. No, no, so, we, we, we can't, we can't, we, 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 we because look, we, 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 have, we have a saying at the Urban League is that our children equal our destiny. And if we can't support these young people right now where they are and put them on the path and try to keep them there the best way we can, then we go, we, we're not gonna sustain. We, we're not gonna sustain. I mean, I tell, I, I tell our young kids, whenever I get to talk to our youth groups, I said, which one of you are gonna be the next cardiologist that I'm gonna need to keep me alive? in the next 10, 20 years, okay? Which one of you wanna be the next leader here at the Urban League? I need you. I, I need you to be ready to step up and don't be afraid to step up. Thank you for that. So we appreciate you coming today. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, tell the wife I said hello and uh, keep on doing what you're doing and may God continue to bless you. Thank you so thank much. You, thank you so much, see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Patrick Franklin. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.